Hi, this is Alexander Nübel and you're listening to Shark America. Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalker Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. We are back. Ladies and gentlemen, officially the world's only English Schalker Podcast worldwide. This is Schalke America and I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Schalke fans are some of the most passionate fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the voice, joining me on the voice, joining me on the show is the sultry voice of Jack Mangan. How are you doing, Jack? Well, my voice is one thing, but how about the voice of your captain, Lord Alexander Nubel, on the intro there? That was pretty hot, right? Oh, my, yes, absolutely. The captain uh, giving us uh, some love at the beginning of the podcast there. Love to see that, so thank you to him, and thank you for Schalke for hooking that up, but uh, that's pretty cool to finally have a little player on the intro there. Uh, I'm doing well. How was your weekend, sir? My besides, weekend. besides the result, of course. Uh, yeah, result with notwithstanding, uh, it was a pretty good weekend. Uh, my my son had his uh, first birthday party, so that was uh, that was interesting. It was fun, a lot of fun. The weather was great. Uh, time flies. Your... Time. Fly. I just remember last year when I was doing that one episode without you because of uh, the recent birth of your son. So congratulations to you on that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was. Uh, time has flown really, really fast, uh, too fast. Uh, but yeah, other than that, really, really good stuff. The weather's great here. How about you, man? How are things going? Oh, it was a lovely day in Chicago today. Yeah, it was. It was. It was great. I'm just. I'm just so happy. I, I mean, I can't even put into words how happy I am that football's back. Uh, and obviously, not just the Bundesliga. I mean, I watch Premier League. I watch La Liga. I watch all of it. So, uh, just being able to start my mornings with a strong cup of coffee and a bunch of soccer from all over the world is 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 fantastic. And there I am, using soccer and football interchangeably, probably just confusing everybody. But <laughs> it's it's a beautiful time of year. It is, it is, and you mentioned coffee. I'm actually having a coffee right now. Uh, it is uh, very late where we are recording, but uh, we got to stay up and get through this podcast. If I have a, if I have a harder drink, I think I may not make it through the podcast. So, because uh, we have to talk about this uh, Bayern, uh, Bayern result three nothing. It was the scoreline. Um, this one was at Gilson Kirschen Jack. Um, it was an interesting game to say the least. Uh, a tale of two halves, right? Yeah, I'd certainly say so. Uh, not not a strong start from us, but uh, much improved in the second half uh, in, in no small part due to the introduction of one uh, Ahmed Katuchu. Uh Yes. <laughs> Free Katuchu movement. Yeah, I mean, imagine that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> We'll get to that. Absolutely. We will. Yeah. Um, before we get into this uh, this matchup, which was very curious to say the least, uh, look at the lineups real quick. We'll start with the road team. Um, and by the way, a lot of traveling road supporters for Bayern in this one. This was a, a big traveling contingent. Usually you don't see as many traveling fans unless it's the Riviera Derby. But, uh, yeah, they, they traveled in masses. And, and their lineup that they had for this in this one, uh, Neuer, obviously, uh, the guy who was booed all game long. Um, in defense, they had Pavard, who came up. We'll talk about Pavard. Uh, Sula yes, we Hern- will. <laughs> Sula Hernandez at center back with David Alaba at left back. In the midfield, you had, um, you had Muller. And Toliso, who were the who were at the flanks in the center, was Joshua Kimmich of all people. 
Uh, and then up top, you had obviously Coman and Canabri and Lewandowski leading the way. Um, pretty center lineup for, for them. Uh, the big thing with Bayern, though, on the bench, they did have Ivan Perisic, who we'll talk about later. Uh, Philippe Coutinho also made his debut. And then uh, Alfonso Davies uh, on, there, on there. So uh, we'll go to the Schalke lineup now. Um, the captain, who we, uh, we heard from at the beginning of this podcast, Alexander Nubel. He was in net and defense, John Joe Kenny, Benjamin Stambouli, Matija Nastasic, and Bastiano Chipka. In the midfield, you had five here. We had uh, Daniel Caligiri, Omar Mascarell, Weston McKinney, um, Benito Rahman, Amin Harit, all led by Guido Bergstaller up top again. Uh, we will, you know, let's, let's talk about that. Uh, again, they're going with uh, Guido Bergstaller. We love the guy, no doubt about it, right? But. He just doesn't have the legs, and this game, again, showed – it was glaring that he didn't have the legs, didn't it, Jack? And it wasn't just the legs, honestly. He was he was awful in a lot of different ways. Um, so, yeah, I, I wasn't pleased to see him starting up again. And and I think now that we got a decent look at Katuchu, I'm, I'm hoping that David Wagner will realize that that's the guy that needs to be starting going forward, and hopefully we'll see that. Um, but on the bright side, it was it was two weeks in a row of the same lineup. I heard the commentator, at least on the, the Fox Sports 1 broadcast, mention that that had never happened for us last season. <laughs> Probably the last two I, seasons. I find, that, I, mean, I find that a little bit hard to believe, but uh, if, that's, if that's true, that's an incredible stat that we didn't have any continuity in the lineup week to week ever well mckinney season, played so. every position so every week he was somewhere different so you know it had yeah. to change there i mean that, that's that's fair but i mean even even so so even if i didn't want Brostaller starting today i think it's a positive that we're getting some sort of continuity yeah at the yeah. beginning of the season these guys can build some chemistry together in a similar system every week so uh, I, I did enjoy seeing that no no doubt about that i, I agree about that you need continuity to have a, a some chemistry and, and team do good things because if you're out there constantly with different guys, you're not going to be able to read each other. And we saw last year what how that happened, how that played out, right? So, um, you know, I'm going to bring up an old name just because he kind of taught us some things, right? And I'm, I'm talking about Domenico Tedesco. Um, he, you know, say what you will about him, but he gave us a clear recipe on how to play with Byron, play against Byron, and hang, hang tough with them, right? Um, Jackie, in that one game, I don't know, it was last year or the year before, uh, he put pressure on Byron and it forced him to make turnovers, and we hung with them for the majority of the game. We just couldn't run for 90 minutes. That seems like to be the recipe to, to play with Byron, isn't it? I mean, it certainly wasn't that particular. Was that February or something of, of yeah. his first season? Is that what yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Um, that was the... Uh, DeSanto. <laughs> yeah, false DeSanto nine. <laughs> false nine, the unveiling of that. Oh, goodness. How'd you forget that? What a legendary match. Um, <laughs> shockwave sent around the world with that one. <laughs> uh, I mean, here's the thing. I, this is going to sound stupid given what the scoreline was, but I've actually been very pleased with how well-drilled we look defensively under David Wagner so far. Yes. Agreed. Um, because, especially given what we kind of expect to be a mediocre at best offensive team, uh, we absolutely have to have a, a, a solid defensive um, showing this season if we want to achieve you know the kind of goals the club is looking to achieve in terms of a table position. Um, we had that the first year under Tedesco, which was a large part of the reason that we finished second. Uh, we, we took a step back in that regard. Um, the second year, um, along with a step back in, in offensively too, and it really was a disaster. So, uh, I w- yeah, I was pleased with with how we played defensively against Bayern in this one. Yeah, no, I think the you know 
the one thing that I was worried about in the preseason was how how is the defense going to play out? And I agree with you. I think defensively the team has looked a lot better than they had in the past. Um, so that's that's something surprising because you know you think of David Wagner and everything you've heard about him, you thinking okay, it's offense, offense, offense. Uh, nothing about the defense. So. Uh, the first couple of games is give you some some hope, some optimism uh, that the the team could be uh, much better in that respect as opposed to last year, but particularly last year because two years ago, obviously we finished second, we were pretty good defensively. So um, this game started out uh, pretty quick in this in this one. Uh, you know, two and a half minutes into this match, I think it was indicative of how the rest of the match was going to go. Uh, Bastian Shipko made a great tackle. I want to say on Serge Gnabry. Uh, they end up calling a foul on him, and it, to me, that sounded like a sign of things to come in the rest of the match. Because I thought that was a brilliant defensive play by by Ochipka to to not only tackle the ball away from him, but keep it and continue on. Then they called a foul, foul on him, and it just seemed like it was going to be ticky tacky little shit. If you know, part of my French, that was going to go against Schalke all game long. I mean, the Bayern conspiracy theorists were probably out in force after this one. Um, yeah. We'll get to some more of that later. Uh, I do want, since you brought him up, I do want to shout out Ochipka. Um, I've felt like he just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's in better shape or what, but he seems to have an extra step in him. It's the Robin Gosens, uh It's, it's got him <laughs> the to step pressure. up, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah the right? pressure. That's funny. No, but he, he seems to have like an extra step in terms of his pace. And I, I don't know what it is. He just the first year I thought he was very solid. Last year he just seemed off of it a little bit. I know he was struggling with some injuries throughout the course of the season. He so was getting burned last year a lot. Yeah, but he I thought he's looked pretty pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. so far this season, and that's that's really nice to see, especially because we were hoping to have some reinforcements down the left hand side, given that Hamza Mendiel is uh, is out on loan. Yeah, and uh, and I agree with you on that. I think uh, Ochipka has looked pretty pretty good, and he he showed some speed, um, some little tenacity there, and, and find out some players and some times. We got to see what his crosses do still, but um, the the early signs are that he's uh, certainly improved uh, than he had last year. Um, you know, a lot was said about this game, especially in the first half. You know, I thought I thought through the first fifteen minutes or so, Shaka were doing pretty well to stifle stifle the Byron attack. Um, you know, when you play Byron, they're going to eat up all the possession, and you know that. You just have to hope that you know you get a counter and get a goal that way. Um, if you're going to dominate Byron, you're going to have to have a really talented team, a like Barca or Liverpool team or something like that, um, that can hold on to the ball. That's never going to be Shaka. So. Um, the fact that they were able to stifle them, because Byron, though they had the possession, they weren't really doing much offensively at that point. Um, nothing really to threaten the the Schalke goal. Um, and then, you know, as soon as it happened, of course, uh, your first opportunity of the game comes up in the 16th minute. Um, off a of Byron corner kick, Nubel makes a fantastic save on Lewandowski, kind of like a, uh, a warning shot, if you will. A great header on target, and Nubel with a big save. Um, we saw that... Uh, uh, the Schalke tweeted out our, our tagline, the Great Wall of Gelsenkirchen. So um, great save by Nubel on that one. Great reactions. Uh, what would you make of that save there? Well, I, uh, I, I laughed about that because I quote tweeted that and I said, that's probably not going to age well. I saw when that. Yeah, when you're, when you're playing by it, it's probably not a good idea to be talking about, you know, having a great wall against a team like that. You might want to yeah. pull that off against a team with a little bit less firepower. I'll wait till 85th for um, that. <laughs> yeah, it was, no, it was a great, it was a great reaction save. Uh, from him for sure, and I thought he looked um, a lot more confident, a lot more steady than he did in the first match of the season against Gladbach, where he had some some weird shaky moments. So that was that was certainly encouraging. Um, and if there was ever a time that he maybe wants to pull out a a solid game, it would probably 
be against uh, you know his potential future employers there. Um, maybe, maybe that's what to, it is. <laughs> yeah, maybe trying to show them that, that he's got got the potential to replace uh, Manuel Neuer. Well, if you really wanted to show it uh, in the 19th minute, he had a great opportunity to. Uh, and John Joe Kenny, the new man, uh, fouls Alaba in the box. David Alaba, excuse me. Um, at first, uh, during live play, I'm thinking, oh, come on, really? I thought I thought Kenny made a great play. Upon replay, it looked like a clear penalty to me. I mean, are you going to agree with that? I thought that was Coleman. Was it Was it Alaba? Oh, maybe whoever it was. I think, it was, I think you're right. It, is Col- it was Coleman. Yeah, so, Either way. Yeah, it, it was a weird – I'd have to see it again. If, if I recall, it was a very strange tackle how it kind of happened. Yeah, yeah. It was like – I think Kenny like tripped himself and kind of like rolled into his lower leg or something. It was yeah, strange. Yeah. It, it wasn't like he had actually attempted to – Get a leg out and, and no, cut him no. off, and then like just missed. It, it was a strange, strange, and he didn't really complain about it. He kind of knew that he had taken him down. Um, when it happened live, I couldn't really tell whether or not it was a penalty. And they showed the replay, and it was it was pretty clear cut. So uh, I thought that was a good decision from the referee. Uh, probably the only one that he was going to make uh, regards to potential penalties <laughs> the rest of the game. Unfortunately, it was for them. But spoiler alert. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm honestly surprised that they didn't have more success going down that left-hand side all game long because Coleman's just got insane pace and he can burn people and get off that shoulder a lot. So the fact that that was the most notable moment where that happened, um, I thought was, was actually fairly encouraging. It's just, it's just unfortunate that, that Kenny makes that mistake um, and, and, and gives Byron a penalty opportunity. I mean, I, I mentioned this during on Twitter during the, uh, the Hertha Byron game um on Lewandowski's first goal where he just kind of like jogs from his own half all the way into the the penalty box yeah. on the end of a cross. I mean the thing the thing for Bayern is especially when you're a team like Schalke if you're going to beat Bayern you need to play a near perfect game and you have to make them score goals from open play cuz they're they're perfectly capable of breaking you down and they more often than not they will do that so you have to make them do that that has to be the way that they get their goals you can't give them Penalty kicks, you can't make stupid mistakes where they get absolute sitters on things. You can't give them a lot of dangerous free kick opportunities. And we saw a couple of those things happen in this one. You, you really have to make them, you know, beat you with just superior players, superior passing moves, that sort of thing. So, you know, to have a decent start through the first part of this match and then just give them a penalty opportunity was really frustrating because it's, it's, it's exactly the kind of thing that seems to always happen when we play Bayern. Is it's just a stupid mistake at some point that gives them, you know, a very clear cut. I mean, I think... One of the last times we played them, I forget which match that was. It was just an absolute hospital pass, maybe from Serdar, that just you know yeah. got intercepted and they ran right in the score. And it's just that kind of stuff. It's like it's like you know it, we don't seem to do that against a lot of other teams. And, and some of that, and some of that's like you know just superior players. By I mean, like you know, Coman, if if he wasn't the player he was. You know, he might not have put Kenny in that position, so you got to give Byron a little bit of credit. But that's the kind of thing you just got to avoid if you really want to get results against Byron. So it was frustrating to see. Absolutely, and it, and like we said, that was Nubel's opportunity to you know show his future player. Maybe I don't know uh, to show what he got and to stop the penalty against Lewandowski. But no, Lewandowski, uh, he's clinical in these situations. In all situations, uh, he scored the goal. Uh, just like that, Byron are up one nothing. It seems kind of like a cheap way to go down to Byron, as you mentioned. You want them to earn the goals in open play, not in set pieces situations. Certainly not from a penalty, uh, which they scored. So you're like, ah, come on, really. Um, but you know, Shaka, I think were I don't want to say good, but they they, they kind of quickly regrouped almost and continue on as they were before that goal. Um, I thought in the 25th minute, Bergsteller had a good opportunity to find Harit, who was open. 
Uh, he took too long and went for the high risk pass where he was like trying to volley it or chip it over everybody to him. It still got to him so almost. Um, but I thought he had Harit wide open for a pass moments before where it should have been one-on-one with a ground pass and would have scored for sure, I thought. Was that the one where he received the ball like, with his back to go at the top of the box? Yeah. Okay, so th- this was an issue with Bergstaller all game long. He did it on multiple occasions. And this is what I was mentioning earlier when you said, you know, he didn't, he just doesn't have the pace anymore. It's not just that. It's situations like this where he gets the ball into his feet and he just dicks around with it for far too long and can't make a, like, a quick opportunity. He, he doesn't make up his mind. He'll, I mean, there'll be, a, there'll be a layoff that's available. I mean, like, Bergstaller, if nothing else, has the ability for hold-up play, right? Yeah. He's physical. He's got great balance. You play a ball into him, you can usually hold somebody off for a second. You know, he, he probably can't, you know, turn on him and beat them, but he can hold the ball up for a minute. And, uh, you know, that was an opportunity where Harit was wide open, and he had an opportunity to play it on the ground give him a little lead pass on the ground into the box, doesn't do it. And then even after that, he could have played that little chip ball a, a little bit earlier and ultimately waits until it's way too deep and Neuer can kind of be in a position to come out and, and, and get it. So that was, yeah, that was that was frustrating there. Yeah, and, it, and it's, the first half was, it was all Byron in terms of statistics, right? Possession, shots on goal, this and that. Uh, the, the few moments that Schalke did have, um, probably didn't come till later, like later in the first half. In the 29th minute, Mascarell, I thought, did well to uh, force a way to get a shot opportunity. He missed the wide, but I like you like to see the um, Mascarell, you know, pushing up and trying to get some opportunities there. And then in the 42nd minute, um, Weston McKinney, it seemed like he was playing, trying to be a playmaker at the beginning. Um, he set up Harit for a shot. Unfortunately, the shot by Harit wasn't that great, right to Neuer. So um, it was a save. It was only one nothing going into halftime. What did you make of the first half? Because a lot of people on Twitter, uh, especially the Schalke Nation, they said it was like, oh, we were terrible, this and that. Did you have the same feeling as them, or did you see it another way, or how did you see it? I mean, it, it, it was a good first half defensively, I thought, for the most part. Uh, they had a couple opportunities here and there, but, I mean, they didn't do anything that really made you that worried. And a lot of times when you play Bayern, it just feels like every time they're coming down, they have the potential to score. And you're just, you're just, you know, your stomach is in knots the entire game because you feel like any any particular moment could result in a goal. Didn't really feel that way in this one, which was credit to, you know, the organization at the back. And surprisingly, I mean, this is Stan Bouley and Nastasic doing this. And like we said before, that that might not end up being our first choice center back pairing. Although I think probably Nastasic maybe has a better chance of being in there than, than Stan Bouley long term. But, um, Absolutely abysmal going forward for the most part. I mean, it, yeah, a, yeah, a couple opportunities here and there, but much like the Gladbach game, not quite as bad, but much like the Gladbach game, just a lot of unforced giveaways on just bad passes, or, or it seems like there's times where the players are just not on the same wa- same wavelength, and you know, the guy's looking for one of them to make a certain run, he just goes the opposite direction, and the pass misses him by five feet. Um, I hope that's just kind of early in the season jitters rust. Yeah. And once they, once they get back into the swing of things, they'll, they'll, you know, be of one mind a little bit more frequently and, and, you know, make more anticipatory passes or runs that are going to help connect things. But yeah, just, just some really sloppy play in that regard. And then, you know, Bergstahler was brutal and, you know, Benito Raman virtually anonymous, like barely got on the ball. Yeah. Um, not having an impact on the game whatsoever. I mean, his finishing was was pretty bad in that in that Gladbach match, but you know the the thing you could at least say in that one was that he was popping up in dangerous areas and getting on the end of of uh, you know uh, of chances. 
um, and putting himself in a position to to make an impact. And he just he just was non-existent in this one. Do you think that was a, that was a result of just him, you know, not being in the game, or Byron taking him out, or, or the bad passing that was happening by Schalke that he was not getting the the opportunities that he needed? I mean, there was a it, I thought I thought he made some good. Um, I guess attempts at trying to, to like I think between Ochipka and and whoever was uh, in the midfield on the left hand side were playing pretty well trying to set up Benito Raman a couple of times but he just couldn't get to any of it like you said. Uh, but what do you do you think it was just him having a bad game or Byron shutting him out or what you, a combination of things? Yeah, I didn't keep a close enough eye on it. Maybe, maybe Nabry was shutting him down or something. I, I mean, maybe maybe I do think a lot of our build up the first two matches has been predominantly down the right hand side. Yeah. Um. So that could be part of it as well. But it seemed like everybody else was able to get on the ball at times. Harit, Bergstaller, McKenny, Calgary. So I mean, he was really the only guy that wasn't really involved in that sense. So when you have that kind of a, uh, I mean, when everyone else was getting in, involved in the play, you would think that he'd be able to too. So yeah. Yeah, I hope hopefully things improve for him. Obviously, I'm I'm not trying to crucify this guy this early into his his, his tenure at Schalke. He's not Rudy. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's very early in the season, but definitely not definitely not a promising start from what is ostensibly your you know marquee summer signing. As as sad as that is, that that's kind of like our our big guy that we brought in. But you know we we splashed a little bit of cash for him, and and you know it, it definitely hasn't justified that through the first two match days but like i said it's early i think my first half assessment was pretty much the same as you um defensively i like what we did we didn't give them too much uh opportunities they didn't look that threatening yeah they had that that's that penalty kick goal but other than that there weren't many moments where you were like oh you know Nubo's really under fire he had that made the big save against Lewandowski just before the the penalty um but other than that you know i thought shock although they were getting bossed by possession they they were doing their end of the bargain by not making by limiting the opportunities that that Byron had and not many teams can say that. Uh, so one nothing at halftime they were down. Uh, second half is when the wild ride would begin. Jack, uh, it started for me at least. I don't know about for you, but for me in the fiftieth minute, uh, McKinney uh, he was he was guarding uh, Toliso. Uh, I think he barely touched Toliso, who flops down to the ground. It ends up sending a free kick up uh, by. Uh, Lewandowski, who puts makes no mistake about it and puts in the back of the net. Beautiful, I mean, wonderful strike. Did you think it was a foul there, or do you think? Are you or, because I think it was a complete flop there. I didn't think McKinney got him that much. He had his armor on his shoulder, but it wasn't like sometimes you see guys and they. I mean, you really pull them. And you're like, hold it, come on, that's a that's a foul. There it looked like he just had his hand up there and until he so dropped. Yeah, of course there was not enough content. Uh, content. Wow. Uh, <laughs> of course there was not enough contact. To warrant, you know, the, the act that that much of a fall, um, it, it was absolutely a flop. But I, what I what I always say in these kinds of situations, and what I would say to McKenny here, is it, it doesn't matter whether or not your the, the tug on that guy's shoulder was strong enough to warrant him going down. You can't put yourself in a position where you give the ref an opportunity to make that call, especially just, against Byron. Just don't touch him, because that that also him grabbing his arm also accomplished absolutely nothing. Like he wasn't actually stopping him from doing anything. Just he didn't need that. He was he was kind of on his way to go behind him and get in position to you know DM up and um, yeah. To me, it's just it's just silly to even do that in the first place. Just don't give the official an excuse to make that call. Just keep your hands to yourself. Um, yeah, I mean it's unfortunate. It, it absolutely is a flop. It, it's it, it's a very soft foul. But you know if you don't touch him, that doesn't get called. So 
I kind of see it both ways. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then as far as you know, the Lewandowski free kick, it's I mean, it's, yeah, it's it, it's just class. It's it's a great free kick, and it's a very dangerous area and angle for him to take it. Um, Newbel tried to get over, but you know, it was hit with a lot of pace. Perfectly uh, struck. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was deep enough where he didn't have to hit it. You know, as softly as you sometimes do to get it up and over the wall. Um, he was able to kind of put his laces through it a little bit more because of how far out it was. And yeah, he really, he, he really had a night. I mean, that, that's what he does, though. That's why he's one of the best in the world. Yeah. And you saw just before he kicked it, he like peeked over the wall. Let's see where he had room in the corner. Yeah. And he just completely nailed it. So you got to give him kudos for the shot. But again, a weak foul, uh, harsh foul that ended up becoming a hard uh, pill to swallow, being down 2 nothing to to Bayern just like that. And as a result, uh, there was a substitution made. Our guy Ahmed Katucci would come on, but at the expense of Benito Raman. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because I thought you know the way the game was going, at least you know I thought Bergsaller should have come off and Raman would sit on because at least you'd have a guy who had pace to stay in the match as opposed to Bergsaller. Uh, what would you make of the, the move? Obviously, a kudos for finally getting our guy in. Yeah, I I agree. I was advocating for Bergsaw coming off just because I felt like if if Katuchu opened up the game as we expected he would, right, Raman would probably be a more dangerous contributor to that than Bergstaller would because of his pace, because of his on the ball skills, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I would have preferred it, Bergstaller to come off, but you can't really blame Wagner for doing it given how anonymous Raman was, as we already discussed. Um, Raman certainly did nothing to justify remaining on the pitch. You right. can't really complain about it. Uh, but yeah, I was thrilled. Uh, I was, <laughs> I mean, come on, this is, you're talking to the, you know, the founder of the free Katucci movie here. Um, and I mean, honestly, he had more of an effect than I even expected him to because the game, you know, just changed instantly in my Instant opinion. impact. Yeah. I mean, it, it had more of an impact than I expected, but I mean, this is, this is exactly why he needs to be in the match and why, in my opinion, he needs to be starting. I mean, it, he just, he gave, all of his teammates more confidence. The energy level just picked up immediately. People were more brave on the ball. People were making runs off of each other. Um, it was an, it was a completely different team the second he stepped on the field. I mean, like that was some of the best offensive football I think I've seen Schalke play. I mean, maybe all of last season yeah. for the most part. I mean, yeah. honestly, I mean, it was it was we had Byron on the back foot and. I mean, we'll get to this in a second, but we should have gotten something out of it, too. So let me put this in context, right? So as soon as Katusha came on, by the way, instant impact, uh, for the for the the following 20 minutes, Schalke outshot Byron 5-1. to one. Um, We're constantly in the Byron's half. I don't think Byron made many opportunities outside unless they were clearing the ball. I mean, it was constant pressure by Schalke during this 20-minute stretch, all because of substitution of Ahmed Katuchu. He is that kind of player that... Uh, he picks up all of a sudden the the momentum of the team. The fans got into the game when he came in, um, and so like like you're talking about the, the chances where we should have scored. If it was started with the 55th minute, Harit fouled at the top of the box, no call by the referees. Uh, then you could argue that McKenney was taken down in the box. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say that's a stretch. Um, I'll get your opinion on that in a second. But a corner was given ultimately on that. Um, what did you make of those two plays? Do you thought? Did you think Harit should have been a foul on Harit? Do you think McKenney? Or are you fine with the corner kick? I honestly don't remember either of those that well specifically. I feel like the Harit one might have been a foul. The McKinney one I don't remember at all. Um, but I, I do think we started jumping down the, the official's throat a little bit too much. 
Yeah. We started especially appealing. Bird. Yeah, especially. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, Bergy was like every every play. It was like, what the hell is a handball? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that half of them were right. That was a touch distasteful, in my opinion, to just you know start complaining that often. But uh, there were some valid complaints coming up shortly. Yeah, um, on that ensuing corner kick, uh, a possible handball in the box off the corner kick. Uh, no call, obviously, but then they show the replay, and it's a clear handball by Pavard. Uh, clear, clear handball to you, Jack? Yes, this one, if I, if I remember correctly, comes from kind of like the right side of the pitch all the way over to the left part of the box, and I forget who gets on the end of it in terms of the header. Um, Nastasic, I believe. Okay, um, but... I mean, it's completely unintentional by Pavard, but his arm is at horizontal. I mean, (laughs) it's almost at a 90-degree angle from his body. It is, yeah. And that is a header that is on target and hits Pavard's arm. And I don't know if there's been a change to the handball rule that hasn't been somehow clarified by the DFB or whatever, but like that to me is an absolute clear-cut penalty, no doubt about it. And it, it sucks because Pavard didn't mean for it to happen, but like that is given all the time and absolutely should have been given. Not only was that not called by the official, that apparently wasn't he wasn't told to check it by VAR. Yep. And that was what was even more shocking is they have the benefit of all these replays. I mean, what were they doing? Were they taking a smoke break? I mean, I mean, come on. Like, like I mean, <laughs> you see that? I mean, and, and the the commentators on the broadcast were like, "That's yeah. a penalty." We That's had a, <laughs> we had the Super Byron podcast tweeting us on on Twitter. Be, I mean, obviously tweeting us on Twitter, not tweeting us on Instagram. Being <laughs> to their credit, like you know, very honest and like that was a penalty. I mean, yeah. you had Byron fans on Twitter saying that. I mean, it was not a controversial, you know. Or you know, murky, murky play in, in any stretch of the imagination. It absolutely should have been one, and it was unfortunate that we didn't get it. Well, I guess you didn't get the memo before the game, and I'll read the article here that I got from the, the Bundesliga. Uh, said it's Article Twenty Nine Point Two Bavaria Penalty Minimus to to Bayern. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the article states any penalty towards Bayern will not count. No, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a handball, man. I mean, come on, his arm was like you said, ninety degrees away from his body. He looked like a swinging motion to try to like you know, it, ah, it's a penalty. It should have been called, and it should have been gone to VAR. And even if he goes to VR, it doesn't mean it's going to be called, right? Because we'll find out later why, right? So that's the first incident um, with a handball. Um, in the 57th minute, uh, Katuchu made a cross into Bergstaller. Sula, uh, Sula heads it out, um, and there's a foul. And but So it looks like so Sula is covering Bergstaller. Sula heads it out. It looks like it's going to be a corner kick, right? But then they call a foul on Bergstaller for some reason, and the, they, the play ended going the other way towards Byron. I didn't see anything in that play that would have even remotely led to a uh, uh, a foul on Burksteller. Sula was above him. He Sula out jumped him and knocked it out, knocked the ball out like you like you would as a defender. And some reason they call it against Schalke. I didn't I didn't get it. It's a theme. D- I mean, don't try to make too much sense of any decision that got made in the second true, half. True, because true. I mean, it, yeah, it, it was it was just absurd. <laughs> um, and then uh, 59th minute after a close Katuchu shot. Um, this is something that you know you you were saying you know. You can't really blame Wagner too much for for taking out Benito Raman, um, and I agree with that. Uh, but something I will argue about and debate is the 59th, uh, in the, right after that Katusha shot in the 59th, Mascarell would come off and Sane would come in. Um, you're down two nothing. Why are you going to bring on a defender when you need goals? 
I mean, I, I didn't make sense. I mean, I guess your fear or that you're going to get losing. But at that point of the game, you were dominating Bayern. You were trying to get some goals. Why not bring in a goal-scoring threat as a, in, in, instead of a defender? I, I understand where you're coming from, um, and I saw a lot of that on Twitter. My take is that he's not actually adding a defender because what he's doing is moving Stambouli into the Mascarell role. Right, so it's right. really just it's keeping the system exactly the same and just adding fresh legs. And he this is the second match in a row he's done this. So, I mean, my interpretation of this was that Sané is still recovering from injury, and so he can't go a full 90, right, and that's right. why Stambouli is starting. Maybe it's possible that he actually just prefers Stambouli at the moment, and so Sané is second choice. Um, but, I mean, personally, I, I don't mind that. I think Stambouli is, is fine in that deeper holding midfield role. Um, I think he's perfectly capable there. Um, sure, sure. May, maybe maybe gets a little bit more exposed defensively than Mascarell does because he doesn't have quite quite the recovery speed or whatever. But um, and maybe isn't as aggressive in tackles. But uh, yeah, I mean personally, I'm, I'm fine with that. If he had added like another defender, and, and you know, someone was like three at the back or something, yeah, that that would have an issue with that potentially. But you know, given to me, it's just a fresh leg substitution. And I get that, you know, and, and it's nothing about, I mean, I, and I like Sané and, and, and I, I understand exactly what you're talking about there. You know, it was really a like for like situation where it, the system would stay the same. But in my opinion, in that situation, when you got Bayern on the back foot, you're down to nothing, bringing a goal scoring threat, maybe, you know, maybe Muscarello is tired. I don't know. But um Bringing a goal scoring threat and try to get some goals in there while, while you have, while you have them on the ropes, you know? I mean, so here's my thing. I mean, so what what would you suggest doing at that point then? Bringing on Bujaleb for Bergstaller and putting Katushu central? Yeah, I mean, because I mean, you look at I mean, no offense, but like you look at our bench, the attacking strong, options yeah. on that, the attacking <laughs> options on that bench besides Katushu are Bujaleb and Fabian Reza. Yeah, and yeah. I like Bujaleb, but like. Yeah. That, I mean, there, there's not a whole lot to sub on <laughs> in that. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, come on. Like, I'm just trying to be fair. Like, can you bring back on Ramit? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're no, you're right. I mean, there isn't much depth, so really, you know, not like we had a not like Tuchu was on the bench or something, you know, and you didn't get him like you know last game. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I see it. I see it too. I just I wish it had been a more offensive minded substitution at that point of the game. But I I get why it was done and. Like you said, it, it kept the system intact, and just like last game, Stumbley goes up the middle, and uh, Sane drops it back in defense. So I get it, but just I didn't like it. <laughs> no, I didn't like it, man. I mean, yeah, we're not in the position Byron is where they can bring Coutinho and Perisic <laughs> off the bench. I mean, in, 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 no in a double but, sub in the fifty seventh. No, that's not. Kidding. Yeah, I mean, and on top of that, they had Alfonso Davies. I mean, it was a whole. I mean, oh. yeah, it, we're just <laughs> we're just not in that position at the moment, unfortunately. But to Shaka's uh, credit, they kept pushing on. Um, just a minute later, after that substitution, uh, Burkstaller would cross it in. Ball gets cleared off the line. It was a mad scramble. It was like, it was like pinball. Uh, Byron would clear it off the line. You see a bunch of Shaka players claiming for a handball. This, though, I just, so this to me is the second handball of the half. They, didn't, they never showed the replay, so I can't confirm that it was a handball or not. I just remember live, in live play, I watched and I could have swore it hit off, I think it was Sula or whoever was closest to Burkstaller or Teo Hernandez or um, Lucas Hernandez. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a handball, but ultimately, you know, Schalke were threatening. They nearly scored. Caligiri would just missed the play to score there. Um, and whoever the defenders were for Bayern, they cleared it off. Uh, but Schalke causing chaos, uh, Berksall, even, you know, as much as we talk about Berksall, he, he caused the chaos a little bit there in that play. Um, two minutes later after that, I mean, it's con- it was constant pressure by Schalke. Caligiri yeah. taken down top of the box, free kick call. Um, so here's the opportunity for us, right? They had their opportunity at top of the top of the box. 
Lewandowski put it away. Here's Schalke's opportunity. Caligiuri is probably Schalke's best, one of the, their best, you know, free kick takers. He kicks it in. Um, this hits off Ivan Perisic, who was on the edge of the, of the edge of the wall. Another no call. Uh, a corner was given. They did go to VAR this time, right, Jack? And VAR in Bavaria or wherever the hell it is, not Cologne anymore. Um, they said it was no call. No call. What the hell? Did they go to VAR? Yeah, I think they did. I think they did. They all, I think they ended up just giving it uh, um, a corner kick on that. I mean, whether or not they did or they didn't. Either way, is VR didn't do their job there. Well, because, uh, I mean, meaning I don't say they went to VR. He, the VAR, the, the referee was talking to somebody in his ear during that play, and they like paused it for a second. And then he didn't check anything, and then they yeah, went to the so, corner. Okay, so th- this is not a case where his arm is ninety degrees out in, in the in the case of Pavard earlier, but his arm is, you know, he's standing on the edge of the wall. When you jump up in the air as part of a wall. You usually have your arms crossed together in front of your body or whatever it is. His arm is 45 degrees away from his, of his body, and it hits his arm. No doubt. Um, how, and, and the referee is looking right at it. I mean, he's directly in front of it. I don't know where the referee was on the Pavard decision. He is looking directly at it. It's blatantly obvious on any replay. I don't know if the call is that, you know, that ball's off target, so somehow it can't be a handball. I mean, I don't know. I mean, and who knows what the rules yeah. are at this point? No one knows what the <laughs> definition of any of these rules are. Flack was so absurd at this point. But, I mean, in my opinion, second stonewall pen in, you know, a 10, 15-minute period or whatever it was, it just absolutely absurd. And, you know, if we get – I'm not saying we convert both those penalties, but we probably convert at least one. And it completely changes this match. It could, I mean, it could have been 2-2 at this point. Hundred percent, yeah, I mean, e- easily, and it would, honestly, it'd be no less than we deserve because we absolutely dominated this stretch of the match once Katuchu came in, and I think we deserved something from it. And uh, you know, this one is a little bit, you know, it's a free kick. You know, the interference isn't as egregious as as the header was, but I mean, like, we earned two penalties, in my opinion. And it's it's just frustrating that you know Bayern gets one on their decision, and uh, we have two clear cut ones that no one's really arguing about on Twitter and. For whatever reason, VAR decides not to to have him take a look at that or, or tell him what the decision is. I, I don't know what's going on. And, you know, the, the official supposedly came out after the match and said at least about the Pavard one, I don't know about the second one, that, you know, if he had actually seen it, he would have called it a penalty. <sighs> so, so, he clearly, he, so he didn't see it live. And then the question is, why didn't VAR tell him to go look at it? Yep. It, it just It's honestly inexplicable. I, I haven't seen if, if there was a statement released explaining this decision yet um, or clarifying what the rule is. Maybe I missed that if it came out, but I think there absolutely needs to be one because I think anybody watching this match, once again, this is not just Schalke and Byron fans. The conversation on Twitter in general from various neutrals is people are just absolutely bewildered as to why these weren't handball decisions. And if this is actually linked to some sort of rule that they need to clarify that because anyone watching this game has no understanding and no idea why this wasn't called. And it's going to be frustrating if those kind of things are going forward. Maybe it was just a bad Official and a, and a and a bad VAR team that had an off day or, or something along those lines. Who knows? But um, or an well, on day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's just yeah. It, it was incredibly frustrating. Even the announcers I mean, were saying multiple times in the game, "Oh, that's a handball. That's a handball." I mean, if the, I mean, when everyone's saying it, you got I mean, it's it's so frustrating. And VAR had a 
terrible weekend, terrible week in general in all on all its uses in all the leagues. But that one, the the Bayern Schalke match was the top the cake. I mean, there was multiple instances in the game where it should have gone to VAR and should have been called a penalty, and it was not the case. So, I mean, if you want to even use the uh, the standard that you know, I think they're using in England, you know, the, the phrase "clear and obvious error" by the official. How is that not a clear and yeah, obvious exactly. oversight by the official? I mean, like it, just, like, like I said, neither of these, in my opinion, unless I have some sort of you know, very serious misunderstanding of what the rule is. Neither of these were even remotely murky. These were blatant. And, you know, you could you can say, you know, we're just biased because we're on a shuckle pocket. I mean, I, I think there's plenty of instances of us in the past being very fair and very objective on this podcast yeah. about decisions that went our way that probably shouldn't have or, you know, vice versa. And um, this is just, yeah, it, w- it, was, it was very frustrating. And, of course, it happens against Bayern where we absolutely need that kind of help um, to probably get a result. Yeah, the luck from two years ago was not with us today, or yesterday, I should say. Um, Schalke, you know, give them credit. They kept pushing on on that ensuing corner kick, which which they would end up calling it a corner kick. Uh, the corner came in, the sausage gets a header on it, and it just gets it over the bar. You At that point, you know, you got to be thinking, oh, Schalke's going to at least get one out of here. Um, kept pressing, kept pressing, but finally, uh, in the 75th minute, you, you kind of referenced it earlier, when you got one of the greatest goal scorers in Bundesliga history on the pitch, and you got to mark him, you can't just let him waltz into the box unmarked. Uh, he gets the ball by basically unmarked, uh, no one around him. There's someone close to him, but I mean, the midfielders weren't even anywhere. They should. There's no midfielders in the play whatsoever. You can't really fault the defense too much because there's so many Bayern players there, but there's no midfielders whatsoever there to help them out. Uh, Lewandowski gets his hat trick. Um, I'm more pissed off not about what the defenders were because at that moment I think it was Byron were outnumbering the Schalke defenders something like five to three or five to four or something like that. There was no midfielders in the play. That's what I'm pissed off about. I mean, there's no McKinney, there's no Stambouli, there's no nobody, nobody there backtracking. And Lewandowski just trotted in, like you said earlier, unmarked. Nobody bothering him, and then he boom scores a goal because of course he's going to when he's unmarked. Yeah, I mean Lewandowski does what Lewandowski does. This is, I mean, as we said earlier, this is why he's he's one of the best in the world. Um, so yeah, what happens is is Kingsley Coman's taking this one down the right hand side of Bayern's attack, and honestly, the more I watch this, I don't think Sane knew where Lewandowski was because I, I I don't know who who the player was, but there was a player kind of making this run, and I think that's who Sane saw, and then Lewandowski was further to the left of that. And right as this ball is about to come in, Lewandowski cuts right and kind of cuts in front of that other Bayern player. And Sané has his back turned kind of. And it doesn't, I don't think yeah. he sees him or knows that he's coming. And so as this ball gets played across towards the center area, Sané kind of like steps sort of towards like more like the left part of Bayern's attack to try to jump in front of that passing lane and steal it. And he doesn't know that, that Lewandowski is coming from the opposite direction. And so Lewandowski kind of steps in front of him and takes it away, and uh, his first touch takes him around Sané, and then he actually kind of gets the ball tangled up on his feet, but he does a brilliant job sorting his feet out, and then without even taking his head up to look at where the goal is, he just he just fires that in after he you know he gets his feet in the right position, and he he finds the corner, and I mean, it's you got to tip your hat. It's a brilliant finish from him. Um, it's just, you know, it's just frustrating because, you know, a penalty, uh, a really soft foul that leads to a free kick, and then we have multiple, multiple opportunities to score at the other end, two penalties that should have been given that weren't. We don't get it, and then, you know, eventually 
they're going to get an opportunity from open play that they're going to finish, and that's what happens. And it's three nil. It's a hat trick, and it, it definitely kills off the game at that point. So, but uh, you know, props to him. He, you know, scored his penalty, took an excellent free kick, and and regardless of what you want to say about Sane on that defensive that defensive play, it's it's a great it's a great piece of play from Lewandowski. It's a good run. It's a good touch. It's a great job to sort his feet out, and it's a it's a really smart finish. I mean, he knows exactly where the post is without looking at it. It's 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 world class. With that hat trick, that's his fifth goal of the season. He's in two games. He's certainly on fire, and he's been a Schalke killer throughout his career. He has that's now thirteen goals in nine games against Schalke. Um, unreal, more than a goal, a goal and almost a goal and a half game, a goal and a half per game ratio there. Uh, that's that's un, unnecessary and unfair and whatever else you want to say, but uh, the guy is good. So. Unfortunately, uh, three nothing. That pretty much killed the game off. Seventy fifth minute. Um, nothing really Schalke could do after that. At that point, the game was the game was over. Uh, the main talking point, I think, I think we're in agreement is the you know Katuchu Ahmed Katuchu. As soon as he came into the game, instant impact for the team for the crowd. He needs to start. I don't care. I don't care whose expense. He needs to start next match. Uh, you know whether it's in place of Bergstaller or Ramen or whomever. Um, he needs to start 100% next game. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. And we've been saying this for, you know, a significant portion of the Rook run to last season, too. This, yeah. is not, this is not a new sentiment by us or any of the other fans that agree with us by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, this is it's it's pretty obvious. And um, unfortunately, I think Bergstaller is even less in, in form than he was last year or, or, you know, doing even less to justify his presence than he was last season. It, it just, I don't know. I don't know if he's maybe he'll improve, but I think maybe Father Time's finally kind of caught up with him. He was fairly old when we signed him. What was he, 29 at least? Uh, yeah, I think so. So, what is he, 32? I have to look at his age, but you know, he's, he's getting up there. He's never been the paciest player. And it's not just the pace, like we said, it's his decision making and his process of thought. Um, there was a play later in the match where. Maybe it was early in the match. I forget. I think I think Harit ends up something or somebody ends up taking a shot, and Bergstaller is just furious that he didn't lay off the ball to Bergstaller. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, "You hypocrite! <laughs> how many to- how many times did you know were you in a position to lay off the ball to somebody else, and you just you know hesitated or whatever and lost possession or just put off a bad shot? I mean, it's a- and Bergstaller late late in the match. Um, he ends up being offside because that's that's basically all he does. But um, a through ball is played in, and Neuer comes out, and you know he has the opportunity to, to play this across. It might have been to Harit, maybe it was Katusha. I forget who it was. He has the opportunity to, to to play this across the box for literally a tap in goal, and decides not to do that. He runs around Neuer, and then he hits the post on an open net. I mean, and that if that doesn't sum up the game, and he, he was offside anyway, so it didn't matter. If that doesn't, <laughs> right. if that doesn't sum up Guido Bergstaller this season, or for you know for the last few matches going into the Rook run, I mean, I don't know what does. So, once again, I I love his energy and I love his commitment. It's just, in my opinion, he's not the best option at this point. I have no problem with you taking him off the bench late in the match to kill off the game with some fresh legs because you know he's going to track people down and he's going to be physical and he's you know he's going to go to work against right, tired 100%. opponents. I have, no, I have no problem with that. I just I think Katuchu brings more to the table at this point, a lot more, and I think you saw that in this match and uh you know I hope Wagner does that going forward. But um I mean the main thing I want to talk about is just kind of in recap is I mean personally this is a match that I think Schalke should take some confidence from. And, and I know that sounds a little silly 
given the fact that it was a 3-0 loss and it's yet another loss to Bayern by yet another comprehensive scoreline. And, and that gets old. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that we should accept that or you know not strive for more or in any sort of way celebrate losses because, I mean, believe me, I, I'm tired of it. And I want to beat them as badly as anybody else does. But I think the thing is this, like you have to be realistic with where the squad is right now. I picked the squad 10th preseason. I don't know about you, but I picked us. I picked us 10th. I don't think we're making Europe this year. I think there's better teams. There's better squads. I don't think we did enough to strengthen the squad in the off season. And, um, you know, Byron for, for despite what I think is actually kind of a slow start for them. I don't think they've looked that good. This might have been the best time to play them over the last few years, honestly, in terms of like the form they're in at the moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, despite that, they're they're just better. I mean, you look at the, the lineups, and, and there's no comparison. So, uh, the, preseason when, when when the schedule came out, you had Gladbach and you had Bayern, and you know, given how we played last year, and given how both these teams played last year. I think both people. I think almost everyone would would agree that these are both teams that'll probably finish in the top six, or at least Gladbach should be challenging for that. You could very easily envision a scenario in which Schalke start this game. I mean, this this season with with two losses, and that wouldn't be surprising to anybody. We got the draw against Gladbach, and so to me, that's not a disaster at all. One point from the first, you know, out, out of six from the first two matches. Um, is not a disappointment to me. Um, I mean, it, it, I'm not happy with one point from six, but like it could have easily been a lot worse than that. And so I think we outplayed Bayern in the second half, clearly outplayed them in the second half, should have gotten more from this game potentially. And I think there's a lot to build on from, from this one. And I, I think there's a lot to, a lot of positives to take away. And I just really hope that the team doesn't get down because it's, you know, it's another loss to Bayern. I really hope that they take a look at that second half performance and say, Hey, if we took it to Bayern Munich in that kind of way, we can take it to other teams in this league and we can yeah. get results going forward. Yeah. I mean, if, if we had, if we go up, you know, come up against back-to-back losses against Paderborn and Mainz, then I'll be worried. I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, I'm fully expecting a loss to Gladbach and Bayern, you know, going into this and anything else would be, you know, icing on the cake. We got a draw against Gladbach and, you know, like you said, we took it to Byron in the second half. Uh, a lot of circumstances uh, led to the loss. I mean, yeah, Byron dominated possession, but they got, you know, a penalty that probably shouldn't have been a penalty. They got a, a great free kick goal, and then they had a, another another goal later on. And a lot of no-call handballs uh, against Schalke, so, or for Schalke. So, um, it, yeah, let's see how the next few games play out before we start making any crazy judgments. Um so and just to illustrate this point further, uh, if you want to get in, and I know everyone doesn't really believe in this, but if you want to get into the XG numbers here, the expected goal stuff. Um, okay, and, Apple I, and, us. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm taking I'm taking these from from Understat. Um, Understat, Understat, wow. Uh, <laughs> full journal mode. Um, so the XG at this game, Schalke had 1.08 expected goals to Bayern's 1.6. But that 1.6 includes... Lewandowski's penalty take and the expected goal value of a penalty is like 0.76 or something along those lines. Right? So if you remove that penalty and just talk about open play XG and non penalty XG is a fairly common stat. Schalke is 1.08 to Bayern Munich's 0.84. Mm. We, our, our XG was higher than them in this match. 
And so, the, I mean, the difference is honestly just Lewandowski doing Lewandowski things, right? He hits a, he hits a fantastic free kick. And then, you know, the, the shot that he scored on, that's not a shot that has a, a high XG. It's kind of right the, by the edge of the box. And he just, you know, it's, it's, it's a world-class finish. It's what he does. And he's the kind of guy that can game break that. And honestly, his XG for the season is 2.88. <laughs> so he's, I mean, he, he, he outperformed his XG for the season in one match in this one, which just kind of shows you the kind of player he is. But like, I mean, so if, and honestly, if you want to, if you want to keep that penalty XG in there and you want to talk about the fact that Schalke, in my opinion, should have had two very clear penalties. Um, if you add those in, then Schalke won the XG battle 2.6 to 1.6. So yeah, it's a three, no loss. It's a comprehensive defeat. And at the end of the day, results are what ultimately matters. But like, that's what I'm talking about is that we outplayed them in a lot of ways. We created we created better chances. And we stifled them a lot in the game, yeah. even in the first half. So, yeah, three, just... three goals, but just one of them from open play. Defensively, I thought we played pretty well against you know one of the two best attacks in the league. Maybe you want to say Dortmund's the best offense in the league at this point, if you feel like giving our rivals credit. Um, you, uh, say, you could say a top five attack in the world. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, absolutely. So that, that, that's all I'm saying is that this game, the, the scoreline does not reflect this game, and yeah, results matter, and we have to get better results. And eventually, we have to get some points on the board and score some goals because there's two games without goals scored. But um, the deeper underlying stats, I think, reflect positively on us. And if we take some confidence from that, and you know, put in similar performances going forward, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna be okay this season. That's all I'm saying. Two things: Are you worried at all that there's no goals through two games? I get it. Yeah, I get the I get the who we played recently. I mean, we got a shutout in the first game. You know, neither team scored in the first game, and you know, it's Byron in the second game. And the second thing is, where's Mark Uth? Is he not ready to be in, implemented into the lineup yet? Because I think he could be. Well, he hasn't been that great last year. He has speed at least, and could be better than Brooksaller. It sounds like he's close. I think he's been. Tra- I he's hope been, he's, he's close. He's been in training. I think he might have played with the U twenty threes or something last week. I don't know. Um, hopefully he's close, and hopefully he ends up being the kind of player we thought he was when we brought him in. Um, yeah, I mean, of course I'm concerned that we didn't. That we're the, you know we're the only team in the league through through two match days that doesn't have a goal. That that's not a nice stat for us, and it's it's very concerning given how frequently we failed uh, failed to score goals last season. We don't want to repeat that, um, and we're off to an zero two start. Like I mean, or not an zero two start, but we're off to you know another poor start in terms of the points we're getting. I, I mean, I understand that it is concerning, but I also think that Bergstaller shouldn't have started any of these games. And I think if, you know, Katuchu plays a full 90 or close to it in two matches, instead of basically 45 minutes, that maybe we would have scored a goal by now. Um, who knows? I guess the one thing I'm concerned about is Benito Raman hasn't looked great early on. And that's a signing that we invested money in and expected to get some output from. And then secondarily, um, Daniel Caligiuri has been disappointing a little bit this season so far. In the sense yeah. that it, what we were excited about, and we talked about this last week, was that the addition of John Joe Kenny on loan um, in a back four system under David Wagner means that Kenny's playing right back, and that pushes Daniel Caligiuri up the field and frees him up to have less defensive responsibilities, which should allow him to you know, get into those advanced areas, play dangerous balls, take people on the dribble, the kind of things that he does really well or has done very well for us over the past couple of seasons. And I don't think we've seen that from him through two matches. So he definitely needs to improve because he's been one of our primary creative players 
in recent years. So that that is probably the part that's concerning to me the most. He's the player that I think is probably going to remain in the lineup and should be performing. Like I'm not I'm not like I'm not upset about our output given that Bergstaller has been in the lineup. He needs to leave the lineup, but Calgary is probably going to stay in there and he needs to improve. I think of I think of players you would mark as um, definite starters. For both of us, I think we would have Calgary in that in that in that in that fold. Um, but I think watching this game was the first time I thought myself, I don't think Calgary is a starter anymore. It's the first time I thought that in a couple years. Oh, well, it's the first time I thought that since he joined the team. Um, I just, like you said, he, he is having no impact offensively, and maybe just because it's Byron and uh, you know what the first game was, you know, first game jitters or whatever with John Joe Kenny, I don't know. But I just, had, when I was watching him play, I'm like, come on, man, you were doing for me, and, and I, I, I think he'll shake it off. And once the team starts playing better, I guess, especially, especially against lesser opponents, we'll see Daniel Calgary. Let's see what he does through the, you know, Hertha match and Paderborn and Mainz. Um, if it goes like you know six games and is still ineffective, then you might have to look somewhere else. But I still have faith in him. But yeah, it just it's the first time I I had I thought about that since he's been on the team is that I, was like, I don't know if he's still a starter material. And, and listen, he, he's he's thirty one now, thirty one and a half, so he, he's getting up there as well. And maybe, maybe you know you never know when when players are going to start to decline. Uh, I'm not willing to give up on him after two games this season because of how good he's been for us recently. But I mean, who knows? I mean, you may end up being proven right over the course of the season. We'll have to see. Um, so I guess this is my question is, so who, if you were to drop Daniel Caligiuri, like, or even if you drop multiple players, like what's your, what's your ideal starting lineup? What's your optimum starting lineup in your opinion for Schalke at this point? Optimal starting lineup. Um, I do. Oh, I guess I like the back four though. I want to see what, the, with, um, what the new defender looks like, and obviously I'd want Sane in there, so I'd probably have Sane over Stembuli, I guess. So Sane uh, and Kabak. Sane and Kabak, unless it's either Kabak or Nastasia, it's one of those two. Um, I like Ochipka, unless we're going to get Robin Gosens or something. Um, I like Dungeon Kenny where he's at midfield. <sighs> you got to have McKinney in there. You got to have him in there. Um, Serger, I like to see him in there. Um, he's just hurt right now. That's the that's the issue. Right, right. Um, if Bentaleb was in good terms, I would say Bentaleb, but you know, we don't know how he is. I would say Shop. I haven't seen him. What's is he still injured? Or what's his deal? When when Shop Shop has been pretty consistent when he's played with us in the past, and Mercan, I'm kind of interested to see what he would do. So I'm. Calgary's in the mix there. I don't know. And then in, in the attack, I'd have you know Bujaleb and Harit and Katuchu probably up top and. You know, have Raman and see. I don't know. I want maybe I'd throw uh, Bujalab in the midfield and have Harit as a you know in his ten roll whatever, and then Katuchu and and Uth or or Raman or something like that. I don't know. Well, so here's the interesting thing to me is if you drop somebody like a Mascarell, d- does that mean that Weston McKinney has to play a holding midfield role? True, uh, and I don't know if he he was more active this game than he was than he was against Gladbach. I will say that because I mean I think. I think between like a Serdar and a McKenney, you'd probably say McKenney is probably more suited to that deeper role. But I think yeah. almost everyone universally would agree that McKenney is more of like a box to box eight, right? Yes, he and is. Somebody that needs to get forward and and can be creative and can really thrive on. I mean, I think his signature thing is those those late arriving runs around the box. Correct. Um, and if he is you know a little bit deeper, he's not going to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting. I don't know if the back four kind of like limits what our options are or not. I haven't decided yet how I feel about it, but um, you know, yeah, if, if you had a three, you could have more options. Yeah, it, it's 
don't know. I, I do think Serdar probably goes into the starting lineup when he gets healthy. It's just going to be interesting to see who he goes in the starting lineup for. Right. Does, does McKinnon get dropped? Does Harik get dropped? Does Cal, you know? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, yeah, it'll it'll. it'll It'll be interesting. I mean, it's 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 at a minimum, it's a good problem to have, right? Uh, having all your players healthy and having trouble selecting a lineup—that's that's that's better than uh, you know having an incomplete bench in week one or like you know whatever it was or you know it, it, what we were just talking about a minute ago when you were saying we need to bring on attacking players and you look at the bench and you're like, <laughs> who's even available <laughs> to do that? Mark Ruth is on the bench, you know, no one is. So yeah, we'll have to go and see. I mean, it's it's early. I, I think the important thing. Um, as you kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, is just that um, we need to get a couple of results here. I think this is the hardest stretch. I mean, obviously, here to Berlin next week, I don't think it's going to be an easy game. Uh, that's another team that I had finishing ahead of us on the table. But um, do we have Paderborn coming up, like you said? So we got, um, yeah, so we got... Uh, Paderborn and Mainz before Leipzig? Correct. Yeah, so I, mean, I think at a minimum, we need to win that Paderborn game. We need to win that Mainz game. Hopefully, we get some kind of result to get here to Berlin. But... Um, you know, if we if we drop points against Hertha Berlin and then we somehow drop points against one of Paderborn or Mainz, after that we got Leipzig and we could very much yeah. be in a very similar situation to you know a couple last season and, and three seasons ago um, with some zero and five or zero and six starts. So yeah, I'm with you. Well, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Well, well, well look at this. So Hertha is, maybe Hertha isn't as bad as we thought or as good as we thought. They they're very similar to us up, up through the first two games. Um, well, if you look three, really, if you look at the DFB Cup, because they won, we won our DFB Cup uh, five nothing. They won theirs five one, both against small teams. Um, their first game they drew against Bayern. Yes, it was Bayern, but it was a, it was a draw. And then they lost this weekend three nothing um, to Wolfsburg. So they're coming one literally one place ahead of us. Um, uh, same goal differential minus three. They've actually given up more goals than we have so far this season. Um, they have been looking sharper, as you'd mentioned last week, uh, against Byron than we have looked at all. So there is a little caveat. So maybe it's not as bad. We'll see. I mean, we'll see what kind of team shows up. They have, if the second half team against Byron shows up, um, we could, we could make a surprise win. Um, but what are your predictions for next game? I mean, so uh, the one thing I'd say is we, we're in 12th place right now despite not having a win through two matches, which is it's not a terrible position in the table to be in, given the fact that you haven't picked up a win yet. I mean, and Paderborn and Mainz are, are two of the four teams that have lost both games to start the season. So, um, I mean, obviously they're due at some point, but you'd like to think that those are two early games in the first five games or so that we have to target to uh, to pick up some serious points. So let's hope. Hertha, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, they're just one point ahead of us. Um I didn't watch that Wolfsburg game, so I don't know how accu- uh, accurately that 3-0 scoreline kind of reflects what actually took place. Um, I mean, I do know that there's a lot of people that are very high on Wolfsburg this season. Um, I have them, you know, I have both Hertha and Wolfsburg finishing ahead of us uh, in yeah, the table. Yeah. So, um, but who knows? It very it very well could end up being that Hertha is, is going to finish somewhere around us on the table, and this is going to be an important match to see who, you know, who kind of comes out on top at the end of the season. So, um Either way, I think most people would probably say Hertha is something of a kind of mid-table side. We are at home, if that helps. Yeah, and so, I mean, if Schalke want to avoid finishing kind of close to the bottom, mid-table sides and and less than mid-table sides are teams that we need to find a way to get points against. So 
Um, hopefully, we pick up at least a point against Hertha. Um, did they? Did they do the double against us last season? I believe they did. No, well, no, we had. Is that the one game we drew two two of them? In, in in Berlin, I believe I that was. You. you think that we would look this up before we came on the podcast, right? Uh, I'm pretty. <laughs> I'm pretty positive we we drew them in Berlin two two. I'm pretty positive. Okay, I just know there was one match last season where Andre Duda just tore us up. That was the first um, game against us. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so it, it'll be interesting. They definitely looked pretty good against Bayern. I thought for the most part. Um, a little bit sharper than we looked, although we did play a pretty good second half. Um, but then, yeah, like you said, it was just it was a thrashing. So uh, a draw for each of us in the first game and a 3-0 loss in the second game, very much lockstep. We'll have to see how it goes. But at the same time, they have um, you know they at least have two goals to their name, and we have, we have, we have, we have zero, so we this need, need to turn that around. But hopefully that, <laughs> hopefully that occurs with uh, a change to you know who's leading the line, and hopefully that's Katuchu next next game. We shall see. So on that note, um, I think uh, we're gonna wrap this one up. Um, it was uh, yeah, we talked a lot about uh, a lot about Katuchi, a lot about the lineups and stuff like that. But it was good, some good good stuff there. Um, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you you drop by the Shalka store, pick up your uh, merchandise. You got great scarves you can pick up. Uh, the nice new uniform, especially like the one like our captain who introduced us in this podcast today was wearing in the game with the new black uh, black one with the like stars on it. Um, Again, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you follow the Schalke German Podcast, uh, the official German podcast for Schalke 04. Um, as always, we want to give a, a shout-out to our friends over at NBC4 Nashville. Uh, we will come pay, pay a visit very soon, hopefully. Um, Jack, where can our followers find you on the Twitter sphere? J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Uh, you can find me there, mostly tweeting about uh, hashtag Freakatuchu. Hashtag free Katuchu. And I'm Richard Carmen. You can find me on Twitter as well at our underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready. We'll be with you soon. Shoes. Shoes.